Welcome to episode 644 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 644 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm on top of the world, Bevan. How about yourself? You know what? We've both got a, but you've got your jandals. I've got no shoes. Why? It's a day out there. I drove here. I normally bike here, but it's supposed to rain, so I thought I don't want to sit here. Is it meant to rain wet. today? Is it? It's meant to, and I'm going to go out biking afterwards. So I think it's going to be a, on the garage. I need hello, a hello. suggestion. So what should I watch on the on the train today, Bevan? I want to watch a documentary that's not. It's triathlon related. Do you like music documentaries? No. Oh, no. A good documentary. You have a think about so like it. political documentaries. Yeah, political is okay. Probably not about Trump. I'm just uh, anything, yeah, anything other than Trump. If <laughs> you ever think about it, let me know at the end of the show. Okay, that's my job. That's my job. I am talking. is proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Galactic Buffer. And our patrons. I'm just Netflix right now while you're doing this, but let's name a few, Jumbo. Peter the Insider Colson. We've got Peter... Oh, sorry, Michael, don't back down Baker. And Tom, the distinctive bland. <laughs> distinctive bland, nice. In uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got lots of discussion on this one. Uh, we've got High Five. We've got Coach's Corner. What are we doing now, John? Uh, well, I've got to do a TT this week, a one-hour you going to do the hour, test, yeah? yes. And so I was just going to talk through you know, how I approach that and mentally, physically, how I approach it. I think a lot of people with their key training sessions – and in their races, sometimes don't give enough time to their preparation. They kind of just hope everything's going to happen on the day. So talk through that. Uh, Whips of the Week and Winger of the Week and Questions and Answers. John, the Ronnie Coleman documentary. The Ronnie Coleman. Do you know who Ronnie Coleman is? Don't think so. He was like the world bodybuilding champion for a long time in maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. Huge mm. guy. And on Netflix recently, they released kind of a documentary about him. But he is screwed now, man. Like he mm. literally is walking around on a cane, like he's a monkey. He looks, he walk, looks like he's walking around like a monkey just because mm. of his back is so screwed. But it's a, it's a actually a really good documentary. So the Ronnie Coleman, there you go. I'll consider it. You know, and then next week you come back and you'll be on the roids. Yeah, <laughs> you know, will get huge. <laughs> okay, uh, that's one thing I do find. I know we're I'm off topic, but I do find a little bit frustrating around this because it's a really good documentary, but they never acknowledge the drugs. Really? Yeah, and it does kind of tinted for me or, or, or kind of pull something away from it for me well, it's funny you should say that we've got because I have um, got oh, I'm trying to line up a few interviews and what have you and one of them is, a, is, is an athlete who's had a very successful year this year um, but he has been tested positive for drugs and oh. we had a, an email from not not recently it was a long time ago um, and Tim Hemming was sort of having some discussions on email about that and he said if you don't ask about that it's kind of a bit of a fluffy shit interview. Yeah. You kind of got to address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, and so it sounds like they're not really doing that in that case. Well, one thing I find really frustrating with The Rock. So The Rock is, you know, one of the biggest stars in the world right now. And he goes on Instagram. And I don't follow him, but he goes on Instagram. And, and I don't want to diss him because he really promotes health. Mm. You know, and he does, he does a, lot, a lot of things about showing how much of an athlete he is. But again, the guys use drugs. Mm. You know, like, and, and so, well, I... I'm like, I'm alleging he's used drugs, but I'm assuming that in his time he's probably used... This is the last show of I'm talking because <laughs> we've just been closed down for uh, but, that. But I find it hard 
when people who are kind of promoting health, there's this underlying bit that they're not really telling the truth about. And he, uh, he may have acknowledged it. I haven't actually put that much research into it. But to me, it's kind of like, if you, you know, if you, if you have used that in your past, be honest about it if you're going to promote health. Mm. You know. So anyway, uh, John, we had some amazing results over the weekend in Bahrain 70.3. World record time, John. World record time. <laughs> And in this case, it is actually, I think, the fastest time over the distance. Um, but it's, we're going to call it a course record at the Ironman 70.3 Middle Eastern Championships. Christian Blumenfeld defended his title, and it was a Norwegian 1, 2, and 3. What a race. Uh, so they went through the first two guys, Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden, both went 3.29.04 and 3.29.25, respectively. They swam 23 minutes, uh, 23.20 and 23.40, biked 156 and then ran uh, Christian Blumenfeld ran a 10658. Uh, Gustav Eden was second, Kasper Stornis was third, and I can't remember if that that's not the order that they came in when they went 1 2 3 in the ITU in Bermuda earlier this year. But uh, the Norwegians are killing it. And and I, I was I put a post on our Facebook page, I wasn't trying to do this in a malicious way going oh, I was a course short I was just I was genuinely interested to know if the course was accurate or not um, and from the people that posted um, David Levy said he, he looked at the Norwegian Norwegian's um, Strava files and they got uh, measured 89.3k on the bike 21.3 on the run yeah, that's um, fair. and a few other people said yeah swim is about right a few people measured the bike a little bit sh- you know, a little bit short maybe a k or so short and the run within the margin of error you know one K- Kenneth uh, Henney said he got 1821 metres in the swim 88.7 k's on the bike and 20.9 kilometres in the run uh, and yeah, most people seem to be commenting it's about right. It's not yeah. drastically short. Um, so that just makes it even more impressive. Uh, and if these guys did show their hand at Ironman, I think they'd probably do quite well. But they're still bloody young. Christian Blumenfeld's only 24. Remember a few weeks ago, someone emailed us who was talking to him and saying they said they were going to try to take the record at this course. And they did it. Yeah. Um, it went significantly quicker than last year. I believe it was on a, a different site. But the main thing over there is... Um, protected swim uh, then the bike is just super smooth roads and the run is flat as well the climate's quite good it's still not crazy it, hot you still got to do it you still got to do the business exactly and, and like the, on so Twitch here they got his average K minutes per K was 308 that's awesome. That's awesome in a half Ironman. So it's not it's quite as fast as what, um, I think it's just not quite as fast as what Fredino did in South Africa, but still very, very close. So that's awesome. Uh, also good to see that uh, Holly Lawrence is back in the winner's circle. She only just beat out Sarah Lewis. Uh, so Holly, Holly, Holly Lawrence, former world champion, been struggling with injuries. So good to see her back uh, in the winner's circle. Okay, we also had Challenge Daytona and... Um, Looks what like, a nightmare just, when you the first time you run a, co- a course, first time you bring challenge back to the America, and the weather craps it out, and and everything gets changed. So the swims, uh, in, the, the the pros ended up doing a, a shortened swim, um, one mile, and then they did fifteen laps of the the speedway, uh, and the the original course was supposed to go out of the speedway I believe and then come back and do a few laps and then they did an eight and a half um, mile run age groupers their course was even more different they did a, a half mile swim a 20 mile bike and a 
um, and I think a 13 mile run so the run might have still been the same what a shitter when you're doing your first race and it all gets you know thrown into custard because uh, because of the weather it just it just sucks really doesn't it mm. so on the on the pro side of things it was a shortened course Peter Hemerick who's a fantastic Belgian athlete he ended up taking it out in 2 hours 27 so it's more closer to Olympic distance time he beat off Andrew Starkwitz who killed everybody on the bike with a 117.24 compared to everybody else more or less being over 120 and uh, Santiago Ascendo was third Matt Russell was up there also Andy Potts was racing Cameron Wirth was uh, was was lining up uh, after doing Ironman Western Australia and he folded on the, the run not surprisingly when you've got an Ironman in your legs on the female side Sarah Haskins took it out and she uh, just about beat I don't know she was three minutes behind Cameron Worth um, so Sarah Haskins took it out in front of Alicia Kay and it was Meredith Kessler in third place so good to see Challenge back in America shame about the weather Top of 7.3, you didn't put the link in there, I, didn't, I know Mike Phillips won it, tell us what happened. Yeah, it was impressive because you had Tim Reid racing and uh, he's a former world champion. And a good runner. And a good runner and they came off the bike, there was about four or five of them together and Mike Phillips uh, ran away from them, ran a 1.14 on that course which you compare that to Christian Eden, uh, um, Christian Blumenfeld, not in the same league as that and Mike's not in the same league as him when it certainly comes to the run um, but it's a harder course up there and it's just a different race so it's a, uh, it's a two-peat for him, second time winning which is good. And a girl side? Well, Bevan, now I've just got to pull that up. Um, Radka Vitakova took that out in fairly convincing fashion. Okay, we also had Indian Wells 70.3 happening. We had Lionel Sanders back racing, and he took that out on the run leg. Uh, he came home with a 1.11.02, beating out Joe Gambles, and Chelsea Sodaro from America took out the females race in 4.14. And lastly, we had the Patagonia Extreme Triathlon 2018 in Patagonia. First time they've had this race. I thought it was called the Patagonia Man, but it's actually the Patagon Man. Patagon Man, and it's another one of these extreme races. Um, although the times don't really reflect that it's uh, as as extreme as say Norseman or some of the other crazy ones. But uh, I believe the scenery looked amazing. I tried to go find some photos, but I know Lucy Gossage was was down there, and the reason she was going is you know spectacular scenery. And Mauricio Mendes, who He's won the um, X, X, um, what's the X, X try the cross country one in Maui. Um, X try, isn't it? Can't oh, Exterior. Um, Exterior. Uh, he took that out. He swam 47, rode 455. So obviously the bike course is uh, hard, but not not crazy hard. And then ran a 305, uh, and he did. Did he dominate the dojo? Yes, he did dominate the dojo. He had a 20-minute victory over Alan Hovda, and that guy, Alan Hovda, I'm pretty sure he's won Norseman, so pretty impressive performance. And Lucy Gossage took out the females' race in a time of 10 hours, 21 minutes. So, you know, ballpark, about an hour slower than what she's probably likely to do an Ironman on, a, on an average course, an hour to an hour 15 slower. So, yeah, only... Looks like only 15 people finished it. Okay, so last week on the show we were talking about uh, how, how what's happening with the pro slots and how is the pro slots working in, in regards to the, the not the winners, you know, the kind of extra slots that go to each races. And we're kind of just thinking about that and we chucked it out to the geek and this is proof of the geekiness. And then what also happened was he called up the other geek, 
Russell Cox. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've reverse engineered John. That's what they've done. They've reverse engineered and tried to figure out what is the kind of statistical st- strategy that Iron Man are using because they're not revealing what they're doing. Mm. Uh, what is the re- statistical strategy to figure out the algorithm around the pro slots for Kona for the unassigned pro, pro slots for Kona? Now, team, if you want to kick out. Go read it because <laughs> I was going over my head. There was all these different formulas and algorithms they were using. We got the Jefferson method, the Hamilton method. Yeah, uh, all these different ways that they may or may not be. Um, no, the conclusion is he thinks they're doing Jefferson plus two. Right. My, or, no, Jefferson method on all minus two slots. Mm. I think the thing for me is we weren't sure. I think it was one of the races. It was quite close in terms. It's based on the number of you know pro rata sort of males to females. But when it's quite close, you know, say maybe you've got eighteen males and fourteen females. You know how do, how does it sort of get figured out where those unassigned slots go? So if you are interested in that stuff, uh, got to be a hell of a lot easier if it was a bit more simple. But it seems it's not. Go to tryrating.com and Torsten's got the information up question. here. Why haven't I been told us? Like, what? Why do they need to keep that secret? Yeah, I, I totally don't know. Because Thorsten here has a conclusion. Although, if you are, if you do like to geek out, it's a great article. Um, going forward, the Jefferson method on all minus two slots will be the algorithm I'll be using to predict how the slots assignments will look like. New results will either send me back to the drawing board, but hopefully they will strengthen the evidence that has been and indeed the algorithm Iron Man currently uses. Based on this algorithm, the inflection points for the slot assignments are 66.7% of the pro starters for regular Ironman races with the unassigned slots of 60% percent for the regional race championships i've got no idea what you just said then oh, oh, i did john because i've done my research no but if you do want to kick out go check it out and it's tryrating.com and he also gives lots of love to russell cox from coachcox.co.nz i'm oh, sorry uk and it's more for the age group side of what they're doing there um so john uh no course accuracy oh no we did that uh hot topic this week and it was a big one so the topic this week was if you got a kona slot would you take it from a random price draw? And actually, before we go to Facebook, we've got an email, and I've just got it down here, and it comes from Brian Ford. Brian Ford said, long short story short, in 2016, on my honeymoon, amazingly supportive wife, I raced Ironman Kids shooting for a military Kona slot. I greatly underestimated the difficulty of an Ironman, figured I needed to be around at 10 hours to get the slot. I went 10.30, but it rolled down to me, and off to Kona I went a few months later. I had an incredible experience. My family went, the island was amazing, the race went great, but I still only finished around 11.45, and near last in my age group. At the time in Kens, and still two years later, I feel like I had been a fraud for going. I had no business competing at the World Championships. The good news is it lit a fire, and I'll be an endurance athlete for life. I've since gone on to do multi-70.3s, ranging from 4.20 to 4.25. I'll be back in Kona one. One day, but this time I qualified like everyone else for the real chance of being near the front of my age group, regardless of how much more time it takes. So he was kind of a little bit like, I've done it, but I'm a bit disappointed in myself. Mm. So let's get into what's happening on Facebook. Good old pod. I did like this comment here. Uh, so Paul, oh, o- Paul O'Doherty, he said, uh, so no, he would not take it, um, or no, you shouldn't take it, because you need to be able to, of, of a certain standard to maintain the pack size at World Drafting Champs. <laughs> <laughs> Pavel, Pavel Chalices said uh, in this thread, people uh, in this thread, people who would take the slot and people who lie about not taking the slot. Yeah, that's that's, that's probably a fairly fairly good call. Okay, John, you do one more because I'm just pulling it up right now. Uh, Jason Shorts, no, it's the World Championships, not a mass pass mass 
participation event. Colin Durant's got, I would give him the chance, but it would be very expensive. I would train my butt off to do it justice, meaning I wouldn't be able to work as much. The flights and accommodation is a ridiculous amount of money, and the race doesn't actually sound that great anyway. So really, it is a, uh, it's down to cost rather than desperately trying to get to Kona slot. Here's a good question, John. Is the race really a disappointment? No, I don't think so. Uh, well, the drafting on the bike's pain in the ass. Yeah, but other than that, no, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Um, but I suppose for our listeners, there is a bit of a tilt that we have whinged about cycling. So maybe lots of people are thinking, oh, that ruins the race. But shit, no. Um, most people that go there have an amazing experience. Sometimes the race goes shit because maybe they have a maybe drafting on the bike or they have a bad experience on the run. But the whole week, the atmosphere and the buzz um, is pretty awesome. Okay. Dave Haywood, it's not only the world championship, it's part of his, the history of the sport, allowing one of us a chance who would never qualify, a chance to represent the average triathlete and the historical experience is a great idea. It's like Rocky being given a chance to fight uh, Apollo <laughs> Creed, even though he wasn't considered in that caliber. The non-qualified probably wouldn't finish as well as Rocky did, but, back, but the chance to try would be cool. Okay, Nadine Voice is my favorite one today. Because she's got, yes, I would. Question for John. I've done enough for my legacy and have registered this year for a legacy slot. So there's, is there any difference for me taking this knowing that I get a legacy slot at some stage versus waiting for my legacy slot? And Bevan is right. She's got here. That's why I like her comment. Well, I don't think there's that much difference. I, and I have no problem with anybody taking these slots. If, if you get one of these slots, you go for it. Uh, and I don't judge people on that. I just think the system needs a little bit of tweaking. But in your case, Nadine, I'd probably wait for the legacy spot if I was in your shoes. Although that does mean you've got to keep forking over money and keep racing. So I'm a little bit torn on that one, actually. Although, in fairness, when they first brought out the legacy slot, it was like, oh, it's a bit rude the way they went about doing it. It does seem a lot fairer nowadays. Yeah, especially if you have a 5150 in your neighbourhood. Yeah, <laughs> that would yeah. be really good. If you love the sport and you're going to be doing Kona in the next few years, you're probably going to do a 70.3 somewhere. Mm. Um, okay, I'm going to go Gary White. Uh, I've kind of changed my tune on this one. Um, when I was more competitive, I would sneer at the thought of going to Kona without earning the slot through performance and not throwing a shit ton of money at an organisation and being awarded for being consistently shit. Oh, wait, I really haven't changed my tune. <laughs> but I see it from these alpha male females Email perspective desperation who just can't get to that level of quality they have something they want so much uh, and they're missing from their social media life which is where <laughs> they seem to life seems to have gone so yeah he's a bit uh, Chris Schrader maybe I'm a jerk didn't realise this would even be a question I would take it in a heartbeat and would be in awe the entire time I'm not that lucky of any of the ways to get there I doubt I'll ever sniff any of them Neil Hastings got I probably would uh, but I would be extremely vocal about how I got there and I wouldn't accept any undeserved praise Jared Hubbard I'd feel reluctant but yes how many chances are the everyday the everyday athlete to go get on the race to race on the world stage Tanya Devonpoint uh, Devonport has got would be the only way that I could qualify I'm definitely a back of the pack athlete and I would not be able to win or maybe second place in my age group uh, who else am I going to do here, Bevan? Uh, the general theme that I can see, the people that I know on here that are saying no, they wouldn't take it, are athletes that are of the calibre that would be able to qualify anyway. Yeah. Um, that seems to be the theme for the people that are saying no. Um, uh, who else have I got here? The good old Kevin Hunt, the assassin. Yes, as an 
unofficial legacy entrant. So that's the thing. Some people are justifying it that if they've done 12 and I got it, I'd take it. Yeah. It's fair enough. Yeah. Well, Colin Cox, Scott, I would like to say no because in theory, I don't believe the organisation should be giving out lottery sponsor slots. But given that it's probably not going to change, I think most of us would be lying if we said no. And saying that, I also wouldn't put my name in the drawer for a slot like that on principle. FYI, I've never done it in Iron Man though. So, has Colin never done Iron Man? No, no. Shut up, Kylie. Last one I'll do. Hua Chin. She says, yes. He or she, sorry. Um, yes, triathlon is becoming too elitist. I'd agree with that to some degree. To, to some okay, degree. Well, here we go. Here's one no. There's several no's in there. Okay, well, there's one I just saw right now. Stuart uh, McKee. McKay has got uh, no that devalues the entry of everyone who is actually qualified. Kona is a world championship event. You can't get a slot uh, to run 100 metres in the Olympic finals. But then again, it's different because our sport does have pros and age groupers racing together. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of, uh, and you don't look pretty uh, daft if you did. Or you would look very daft if you did. Imagine you and I in the Olympic final. Oh, <laughs> you would, uh, a, you would smoke me. Uh, well, yeah, B, but, yeah. But, <laughs> B, B. So how far down the straight would we be? They do, what, uh, nine seconds? I reckon I could probably pull off 15 to 17. You'd be quicker than that. No. You know you would be. I wouldn't be, but you would be. Yeah. No, 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 I'm not that fast. Okay. So we'd be we'd be past halfway anyway. Yeah, we would yeah. be. <laughs> not much. <laughs> Do the finish and I need, need to put, scan the camera back in yeah. slow motion to the finish. Uh, likewise, you shouldn't get a lottery slot in Kona. John, your, your thoughts? So the question was, if you were in a position where you wouldn't be fast enough to, to get there. So look, for me personally, I wouldn't take a slot, but that's because I've got a big sporting background and I've done lots of business other pieces if I put myself in the shoes of your average Joe Blog age grouper uh, who hadn't necessarily travelled the world doing lots of races and what have you oh, maybe then they I, have sorry maybe they have yeah but I, I, then I'd say you'd, I'd probably be lying if I said I wouldn't take the slot but for me personally I wouldn't but if I was an average age grouper um, who probably never probably qualify I'd say and uh, going back to last week's discussion you hate the slots well no it's, I, I think oh I, I was going to change the tune I'm not cha- I'm, I'm <laughs> I think he's going, Bevan's right. No, I'm not changing my tune. Ch- well, I am changing my tune a little bit. I don't hate the slots. I hate the way that Iron Man hand them out willy-nilly like confetti or like a lolly scramble. They go, hey, here's another 40 slots. There we go. Oh, we've got another race over here. There's another okay, 20 so, over there. But do you like the lottery? I don't mind the lottery too much. And that's probably where I, I got a bit. I think I just get really fired up. You get fired up? When, <laughs> when the Kona experience gets devalued and they're yeah. just throwing them away. Oh, like the Ventum. That's, yeah, that's, that's terrible. And I just go, you know, there's a lot of people who work really, really hard, whether it be the legacy athletes or whether it be the, the qualifiers to get there, and then you're just dishing them out willy-nilly. So rather than being a whinge, I've come up with what I oh, think here we go. Here is, we go. is a good solution. John Newsom solution. There's about 40 Ironmans on the circuit now, isn't there? So you're saying one at each slot? I'm saying race. two at each slot. One male, one female at every race. Oh, yeah, then you cool do, as a random prize, you've got to go and do an Ironman, and then you do it either at the... So you're saying dinner. it's not going to be trying to tilt it towards races that aren't doing that well? And just to, as a money grab going into this race by this date and you'll get a slot. So I wouldn't say I'm, I'm against it. I do I, – I, and it, the, the other thing that really pisses me off Here is that they use the John Collins, you know, it's about letting people participate and then that's their angle. It's like, bullshit, all you want is our money – and that's the only re- that's you're just throwing away these Kona slots to get more money. That's what annoys me. It's not so much the slots. Because um, I suppose the argument you could say, although it's a it's a bit different nowadays. But if it was about getting random people doing the racing, you could say lotteries of people who've never done the race. Yeah, I don't know if they have that rule there or not. 
Um, Remember in the old days, you could kind of enter and not done a race. Yeah, they made you do like a 70.3, didn't they? Hmm. Remember back in the day? I remember like, because I remember when I did Hawaii, and when I was I was just talking to someone random, and she had won the lottery, and, mm. and she had to go, I think she'd done a, a half Ironman back in the yeah. day. Yeah. yeah, You had to prove a level of fitness at least. So my things are, get rid of the confetti slots, stop throwing them away, and devaluing the experience sponsor for everybody. Well. Get rid of the sponsor slots. Get rid of that goddamn ex- <laughs> bloody executive challenge. <laughs> Again, Anybody that qualified through those means, no problem with it. I've coached guys who've done the executive challenge, and if you qualify, what, go what for is it. it. What is it? What's the, what's the, what's the, how do you get, just pay a lot of money? Well, there's, there's certain races that have got executive challenge associated with them, and you've got to, A, you've got to pay a lot of money, and then you get a special area in transition, and oh. you get to stay at the race hotel and all the stuff, and then there'll be a couple of slots available, and so it's whoever's the first executive. So you might be able to get and, in and do you know by how many doing that. actually get in those races? I don't, but it's, not, it's, not, a great, it's not a great deal. It's, you know, people are qualifying with slower than 11 hour Ironman's males. Yep. So I don't think it's overly challenging. So get rid of the executive slots, get rid of the sponsor slots. And, and then, as I said, have uh, one at every every race. That gives you about 80 slots. And then you've got the legacy slots. Say that's another 100, 100, you know, say 200 all up. So t- 10% or a little bit less than 10% of the field is made up of legacy athletes and lottery from one at each race. That's your solution. Okay. Who doesn't agree with that? <laughs> I do like the fact you think I was right from last week, but so that's why I really heard you. Yeah. Bevan, would you take the slot? Um, yes, totally. Totally, yeah, totally. Uh, even when I, before I'd qualified, and I was a guy who could qualify, I think I looked at getting it back in the old lottery in the old system. I think I looked at it. I didn't do it. Um, and I don't, I don't think the lottery's a bad thing. I do like what you've come up with there. I think it's a really good solution. Um, so, I, I, so I was right. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, well, you changed to be more like <laughs> me to come right. But hey, people know. Um, no, but I, I kind of don't mind. I don't like. The, I hate sponsorship. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that's just really gets everything. Um, again, kind of executive seems a bit wrong. I don't actually mind them using it as an incentive, but I do like what you say around. But you'd have to, you know, like every race you'd have to. I think it's a really cool way of doing it. I don't think it's wrong for them to say, hey. Like as a running business, our running business, we try to use incentives to make people sign up. Um, and, it, you know, your race director, you do the same thing. It's kind of like, it's business. Different incentives. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Incentives are no problem with that. But it's just. I know it's from, a golden it's ticket. De- but it's devaluing but the But you do want to use your golden ticket as an incentive, don't you? Mm, yes and no. But I like your way of doing it. It's like, you know, instead of just saying the races that are underperforming, it's like, you know, every race. Two, two lottery slots, if you enter mm. the race, by this time, you know, it might be by the early bird of that race, then, you know, so on. So, yeah, um, good solutions. It's, we're not about problems. We're about solutions, aren't we, John? <laughs> That's right. Okay, uh, this week's discussion. Give a pro a nickname. Oh, here we go. I think I quite like this one because, well, the Holy Hammer sent us through an email. Um, people have tried giving us nicknames in the past. Mully sort of stuck for a while. And then I got a haircut. Yeah. Um, nothing's really stuck. We don't, we don't really necessarily need or want nicknames. Murray reckons I should be called the chest because he was down at the pool the other day and he swims Although in the lane. Although potty pants does seem right for you. Potty <laughs> pants. He was swimming in the lane next to me and he can track how far in front we are by just sort of just, just, pe- just peeking under, peek under the lane rope and he sees a big hairy chest coming along. But then there was somebody else in the lane the other day that had a hairy chest and that just com- oh, what about this? confused the hell out of Murray. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he came at me and he's, he's thinking of a nickname for me and during my main sets, I thought, what's the appropriate nickname for Bevan James? I was obviously, he's a natural Mr. N Energizer, Mr. Enthusiasm, full of encouragement, but these are way too complimentary. Yeah. So then he came in, was it Cetron or whatever it is? Basically, I'm artificially sweet. I love it. I'm genuine, mate. I'm genuine. So, so I was thinking this week, give it, give a pro a nickname, 
uh, that's appropriate to the way they race, etc. And if we like them, I'll try to use that whenever we talk about that person. I'll have a little database going, and whenever we talk about that person, I'll try to pull up their nickname. And if we happen to interview them, we can ask them if they like it. Okay, there we go. We're going to generate nicknames. You are, your, your, your hot topic of this week is be a nickname generator for the pro athletes of our sport, both females and males. Okay, John. One, two, three, four. High five. Okay, good old uh, Adam... Alton is going to New Zealand or is coming to New Zealand. I'm very close to signing up for Ironman New Zealand 2019. Hold on, he said Ironman New Zond, Zond, I think. Because he missed the, the A-N. Yeah. Zond. Uh, it's like saying Australia. Yeah. Did you watch the cricket? No, but I love seeing the results. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they lost. Um, did you watch New Zealand cricket? No, but I watched the results and I enjoyed that, that too. Was, that was yeah, two good test mats in the last few days. Um, it'll be my first time New Ze- in New Zealand from Australia. Um, could you give me a high five on the race for Ironman New Zealand and maybe some general info, advice around what I can expect, training requirements, and also best parts of the North Island. Mate, we're not a bloody travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think this is? And North Island, just you've got to come south. But we've got a few tips. So Ironman New Zealand tips, and this is for anybody considering this race uh, anytime soon. The weather is number one. It's the end of our summer, so you can't need to be ready for anything. Generally, it's pretty okay, you know. Sort of probably low 20s, degrees centigrade. You know, there's not been that many hot Ironman New Zealand, have there? No, there's been a few fairly warm ones. But the other thing is, at the one year that I did it in two, oh, when was that, 205? It was freezing on the bike, like seriously proper cold. Uh, so you just got to be ready for anything. It can, it can be pretty cool in the morning. Um, so yeah, be ready for anything when it comes to the weather. I, if I'd replayed that race again, I would wear gloves. So I would have worn uh, toe caps and uh, probably would have had a disposable bike top on that I would have got rid of halfway through the ride as well. Okay, number two is a swim. It's clear, clean, and normally pretty calm. It's one of the few mass starts left anywhere in the world. Uh, and it's just one lap, isn't it? It is one lap, yep. and so I, I, I. It's been a while since I've done it, but I. Used I don't to love know if there's sort of. hardly any mass starts left, and it's going to make me really disappointed if they stop it at Ironman New Zealand. Which but trend would start. say they will? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they will, whether it's this year or, or whenever. But I uh, can't see it lasting because it seems like a global policy. It's the, a cool swim as well because you're close to the shore, mm. so you've got the you've got the water the shore beside you. And it's beautiful views around. It's a great one. And Nicole, who's one of the females that swims with us uh, this morning, she went out and did the 70.3 at the weekend up there in Taupo. And she said, oh, she's a good swimmer. She said, that was amazing. I've never swum in a beautiful clear lake like that before. Oh, really? She's loving it. Yeah. Uh, number three, bike tips. Uh, so it's a two-lap course with a hill at the start of the lap and a hill at the other end of the lap. Uh, the, the climb early on is a bit steeper, but nothing to get stressed about. Uh, and on the way back, it's more of a grind, so you just need to factor in. You do have a couple of hills. Uh is big chip road um, and that's going to mean you're going to be vibrating around a lot so you need to have things done up um, by and large it's on your aero bars uh, straight line riding there's not a lot of corners other than those first uh, couple of climbs number four is the run it's deceptively hard there's quite a few little pinchy little hills and they can be quite annoying when you explode uh, now, now it's years since i've done it so back in the day you used to do two laps now it's three laps isn't it Last time I did it was three three laps. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, just lots of little pinch hills. And yeah. if you're running well, you 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 you'll run over them, no drama. But I remember the last time I raced 2014, and I I was blown up on the run. My 
God, they were painful. Any hills when you exploded, that is brutal. So it's you look at the They're profile. It's just little spikes. Yeah, you look at the profile and you think it's pretty flat run. Yeah. It, it has got a few you little pinches hill, but It's it. kind of like, you know, you go around a corner and there's a couple of just up and downs, which are just mm. enough to be a bit of an annoyance. Mm. Number five, the crowd and the town are really well behind the event, so you should have a good time. There's not too much, in terms of the feeling I get locally, uh, there's not too much angst. The crowd, the locals don't get too peeved off about the event. Instead, they really embrace it, and you do feel like it's uh, the whole town's behind it. So John's actually got tourist tips, and, and I've got to be honest, I'm not really good at the North Island. I've spent a lot of time in the, in the main cities, mm. um, and I've done a little bits, but like I've never been past Auckland. How bad's that? Yeah, I've, I've only been past once. Maybe twice, yeah. once, when we did Length of New Zealand. Yep. That's one way to see New Zealand, do Length of New Zealand. There we go. Okay, so no, tip number one. Uh, so, the, and this kind of applies for a lot of our stuff around New Zealand, is the, the walks in New Zealand, you go, yeah. go see the uh, environment. Um, not that I've done it, but the, the walk the Tongariro Crossing, um, you can do that as a day walk or you can do a couple of days. So we'll have a link. Basically, if you, if you search for New Zealand's great walks or you go to doc.govt.nz, um, that lists all the great walks as well as all the other walks around. But go get out walking. Point number two is if you going anywhere else uh, go to that website doc.govt.nz look up the walks and uh, do some great walks because that's the best way to see New Zealand but you might be a bit smoked after your race but there's lots of day walks and, and that's got them all on there I would say oh, number three John's got Rotorua and Taupo for the cultural stuff so there's lots of multi-culture stuff and all that kind of and they've got the, is Rotorua where the hot water hot yep. are yep Number four, um, if you want to go about 150k east of Taupo, you get to Hawke's Bay, which is great if you're into your wine and food and also some great coastline. And then lastly, number five, head north to Tauranga or Coromandel for beaches and some good scenery. So we've covered the, the beaches, we've covered the wine and food, we've covered the cultural stuff and the active stuff for, for your walking. I would um, say if you're going to fly into a big city, fly to Wellington. Would you? Why would you do that? Well, it's more cultural. Okay. You go to Papa. Yeah. You go see the War Museum. Okay. It's got some good shows. It's kind of just more like Auckland's cool as well. But I think if you're going to go to a big city in the mm. North Island, I'd fly to Wellington first. If you're coming to New Zealand for this and you've got several weeks, fly out of North Island as quick yeah. as you can. <laughs> the go south down to Queenstown, Wanaka, and do walking and stuff around there. Okay. There we go. That's, that's a high five for tourism New Zealand and I'm in New Zealand. Okay. We're going to pause. We're going to put some music on. Website of the week. Okay, Jombo. So good old Bradley Carroll sent through. Said Bevan, this should be essential viewing for anyone who is signing up for an Iron Man. And basically, it was a YouTube clip. Um, that CGN or whatever it is. So, oh, yep, yep. So called Global Network, whatever it is. They um. Oh, shit, and I was just bringing it up now because I did intend to watch it. It might be something that I watch on the uh, on the trainer today. So what they've done. Oh. Um, they're just really talking about it's, it's Global Cycle Network um, and they've done a piece on cyclist body weight obsession and just talking about um, but they interviewed Ben King who's a very good cyclist uh, he's so I don't know him so he, tell me about him well, yeah, I, I remember seeing him winning a couple of well being right in contention I think it was a tour of California this year uh, so it's not like he's a part bit rider you know he's a solid solid rider uh, and just talking about yeah body weight obsession eating disorders now I haven't watched it you have but it's around about a 20 minute interview um, just talking about that you would not believe how many issues there are with people with um, 
body weight problems or body uh, body image problems yeah, yeah. especially in high performance sport it's uh, it's pretty crazy and there's a lot of eating disorders so well, and, and I watched it a week ago so I can't remember like in big detail what's in there but I do remember a couple of things uh, they had a, a Trisha on there and she was saying that actually because they think it they think it's a, a an athletic gain, but there's a point where basically you're not really getting any more power if you mm. lose a bit more weight. So it's kind of actually pointless. Um, and but they also address the kind of psychology of it as well. It's actually a really good piece, and it's one of the concerns. Like you know what, you can kind of get it for people who are at the one percent of the field. Mm-hmm. You know who are looking for you know the one percent gains that can make a big difference. But there's many age groupers out there who have the same problem. Oh, absolutely, you know, and it's a big problem and the Instagram world. You know, it's it's. What do you, one thing I'm, I often think about is what do you present to yourself that makes you feel bad about yourself? And, um, you know, like traditionally you think of like trashy magazines that, mm-hmm. are, that are obviously just kind of feeding your mind junk. But often that then feeds how you should reflect upon yourself. And, and I do think there's a part of your role in things like social media that your job is to edit your world in a way that makes your world healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Because it was interesting, I was behind reception at the gym the other day, and there's this lovely girl, I can't remember her name. Um, I, no, no, I totally remember her name. Her name's Abby. And Abby's this lovely girl who works at reception. She's real young and bubbly and got good energy. And I was looking at her Instagram feed, and, oh my God, it's just the sexualization of young girls. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it's, just, it's just a bit disturbing, really. You kind of think, it, and, and is that what you think you have to be in this world? Mm-hmm. You know, and you're kind of just seeing, and, and you know, these kids spend a lot of time on these apps, and they're basically just putting this presentation of what they should be in this world, and you're kind of thinking, that then tells you that's what you need to be. Now, obviously, she's different to a triathlete, but if we look at most triathletes' feeds, and if you look at a lot of the pros, mm. they're presenting a peak athlete who then is that what you're comparing yourself to? I think in a, in a cycling sense, and this is a cycling interview, a lot of their weight loss obsession isn't about perception, it's performance. Yeah. And and I get that, but if you're somebody that is obsessing over your weight, you do have to weigh up. So if you are lighter, most of the time you're going to go quicker. And, and as Bevan said, there's a point where that, yeah. then it becomes a bit stupid. But you've got to balance up that performance of your training by being well fueled with trying to lose weight. Well, that's what he was saying, because in this mm-hmm. interview he was saying his dad, because he was living with his dad, and he said, I, maybe his dad was a coach or something like that, but he said it was really good living with his dad because just having someone who could see your your cues where you, you just think you're going deeper into it and his dad was like, mate, you're looking like death. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're not looking good and I don't think this is going to be good for your performance and ultimately he wasn't trained, you know, it's that kind of thing of you're not feeding the machine so you're not training well so you're actually not going to get the performance. Mm. So yeah, it's a good little piece and it's a good discussion. I think it's a discussion, obviously this is a cycling piece but it's a discussion for our sport as well. The obsession with food and it, and it goes back to my thing of what is healthy and to me, a part of being healthy is not thinking about food half your life. There you go. You know, so. Hit me with some music, Bevan. Oh, oh, okay. Coach's Corner. Oh, John's going to do an hour on the bike, so he's got to do a Coach's Corner on it because he's going for an easy ride. One hour TT. How so often do you do like, I know you do 20 minute often. I've only done one once before. How was that? It was it was solid. It was good. And I was out there last week with a, with an athlete, and he, he was doing his one hour TT. And at the end, he had to pull over to the side of the road, and he said, 
I've never done anything like that in my life before. Who was it? Uh, good old Paul House. And he rode down the house. He, uh, I remember you saying because you are going after the, after the show last week, yeah. didn't you? And one of the problems was, so I'm, I'm obviously quicker than Paul, uh, but, and I was sort of following along, giving him a bit of encouragement. I was sort of coming to that last 15, 20 minutes or so, and I was, was going to start just bar- you know, giving him a bit more encouragement. And then there was a fella on the side of the road with a puncher, an older fella, and I thought, oh, I've kind of got to stop to oh, see if he's okay. What do you do? What do you do? <laughs> so I stopped and, uh, and I said, oh, do you have a tube? And I sort of was just going to ride off and give him a tube. He goes, oh, that valve's not long enough. And I said, oh, do you have my phone? Quick, make a phone call. And so he rang up his wife. And this guy was probably in his 70s. So I thought, I can't just leave him out here. And, uh, and then he rang his wife and he's sort of chatting away. So I need that phone, buddy. And then I just had to hammer it to catch up to Paul. <gasps> and I caught him with like about a minute to go. He said, go for it. You last minute. <laughs> So the one-hour bike TT is an extremely difficult uh, challenge, especially to do in a non-competitive environment. So I've got that this week, and just a few tips around if you have got something that you're building up for, especially if it's TT, you know, a lot of people don't have the luxury that we have in Christchurch where you've got lots of events, and you might be in the middle of bloody America, there's no running races, it's middle of winter, there's no uh, bike races, and so maybe you're focusing on, you know, uh, a bike test of some description. So these are a few of the things that I do to prepare prepare myself to make sure that I am going to get the most out of it rather than just you know going oh yeah I've got a TT on Saturday hopefully that goes uh, well, that's hopefully the thing. that goes well like it's a performance isn't it oh absolutely you know, like it's like a race it's like you know it's your big race of the week or, or mm. of this period like it's everything you do from that race or that, that hour is going to reflect in how you set your training moving forward and so I've spent you know I've been sort of going through a bike block and, and so this is sort of the culmination of that and it's, it's often something I do with uh, with athletes is to do that one hour TT I don't know that I could do this on the trainer maybe in a, in a group environment probably could but to do a one hour TT on the trainer in one position would be um, that would be very very challenging um, so yeah so I've got a few tips kind of like a high five on, on how I'm going to get ready firstly um, preparation physically uh, so I've built up you know it's a one hour TT I've built up by doing a 30 minute FTP um, effort I've done last weekend I did 3 by 15 minutes so it's kind of been a progressive build up we initially started with say five minute reps you do like maybe seven by five minutes at FTP eight and then nine and then build up to doing some 10 to 15 minute blocks and then did a 30 minute test as as indicators so you you're going into it knowing okay if I have a good day, it should be possible, and you're kind of knowing where your parameters are at. You look at look at your heart rate, and so I kind of look at where my heart rate's sitting relative to what it does in a 20-minute TT, and if it's the same, then you, you're way off your numbers when you're out on the road. But for me, you know, it's 5 to 10 beats below um, what I'm doing for my average for the 20-minute TT, so I know I'm in the kind of the right ballpark. So physically get ready for it um, by doing good preparation. The first time you go and do a TT um, early in your training, it's normally blowing off the cobwebs, and so it's been a progressive build. And also, it is only a training session, but if you want to do a good TT, you need to be properly tapered for it. So I'll be tapering for two or three days, resting up, just uh, going nice and easily, so easy. So come TT day, I am good to go. Um, point number two is mentally preparing and this is an area where I think a lot of people let themselves down for key sessions and for races is you know I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks already and it's like another another week away um, you know and looking forward to it looking forward to the challenge and knowing that that's the benchmark that I've been working towards rather than again just 
hoping everything's going to be okay, just doing the training thing, and yep, I'm tracking okay. It's like, no, I'm tracking okay, and this is what I want to do when I go out and do this um, this TT. Also, um, part of that mental preparation is is having a plan, um, and so in all those preparation sessions, um, when I'm going through them, sure you're trying to hit the numbers, you're trying to hit your heart rates, and you're trying to just nail every session, but also when you're out there doing that, start thinking about all the little technique adjustments you might make when you're out there that actually help your performance so a lot of people when they're in the TT position for long periods will start to creep forward on their seat into can sometimes be a slightly less or for some people a slightly more powerful position one of the things that I've been finding that's been helping me a lot lately is just to really um, complete my um, my psych, my sort of riding a little bit more circles. So your, your power is mainly generated from pushing down, but what I've been finding to keep my cadence up nicely is if I'm just working on the, across the top a little bit more, uh, A, it keeps my power more even, keeps my cadence more even, and I don't seem to be dropping away. It's how, really how are you doing the, the pulling back where you're activating your hamstring? Uh, not too hard you know it is mainly focused on the pushing down and so you're not you don't have even pressure on your pedal all the way through but there is pressure in the the less powerful parts of the strokes as you said so the pulling up but for me at the moment what really gives me a nice even cadence and even power is if I do push over the top and uh, and just have a bit more of a complete circle. So, um, so pick up on those things when you're out there. Again, you know, making adjustments where you're sitting on the seat can give you easy power for no extra effort. Um, also, part of the planning process is to think about the course that you're going to use. So, I've got a nice flat stretch of road, but I have got one intersection that I've got to cross through. So, you want to be thinking about, okay, am I trying to simulate? You know, one hour flat TTing, or am I going to have some undulations in there? Why am I doing particular things? If you're training for a for a slightly lumpier course, then you might have some undulations in there. I'm just going out there for the absolute maximum power I can achieve, which I'm going to get from doing it on a flat course. But I've got a factor in there is an intersection. And man, you lose at an intersection, you can lose three, four watts by having to, to come to a standstill and taking off again. Uh, so think about what could interfere with your efforts, things like that time of the day you know if you're going out there at a school run time think about the weather conditions so I've got a couple of days earmarked where I'm going to do it if you go out in really heavy winds it's going to be difficult to get the perfect result so having a few sort of um, days in hand is ideal. Uh, nutrition side of things uh, I take caffeine when I do these tests, so I make sure I'm well fueled up before I go out. But the timing that I take my caffeine is just before the start, so then it will, you know, I don't need to be overly aroused at the beginning of the TT. You know, mentally I'll you'll be fired up and ready to go. It's more about having something to give you that little bit of a kick when you're in the second half when things start to get uh, a little bit more tricky. Just, um, time of day? Uh, yeah, if you do it first thing in the morning, it's pretty hard like when you first wake up yeah. um, so ideally you know I'm going to do it on a weekend and do it around about 9 o'clock in the morning okay. you might get up at 6 well, it's you... such an individual thing as well it, but, it is. But, but if you know I think it's really important to figure out your formula that works for you isn't mm. it if you're going to do it at the end of a working day chances are you're probably not going to get the most out of yourself yeah. because you're going to be a bit more fatigued and if you're doing it at 5 o'clock in the morning you're probably well, not going to well, be and that also goes to that kind of mental mind muscle as well, isn't it? It's that kind of, mm. you know, you can only flex that mental mind muscle so much before it gets fatigued, and that's why it's a poor idea to do it after work. Um, you've got using, just going back to being mentally prepared, um, maybe a part of that is how do you make sure you can be as relaxed as possible 
up to the point where you, you know, like often with my runners. Yeah, totally agree. One of my, with my runners, when they're doing like the half marathon day, I always say, your job is to teach your world how to help you be relaxed before you start your race. And, and that's probably part of the process because you don't want to wake up, the kids are giving you shit, you know, mm. you know, you've used half your mental energy before you start your ride. And trying to keep that relaxed state for as long as possible into the TT. Yeah, true. So, you know, my focus in the first um, 10 to 15 minutes is simply to stay on power and try to relax and be not fighting as much as possible, knowing that it's going to get more and more difficult. So mm. you don't need to be overly aroused. You know, if you're doing a, if we were going to do a hundred meter sprint race, you need to have very high arousal oh, levels yeah. Uh, yeah. To, ready to go for anything like a one hour effort. You don't need to be overly fired up to to to, to get into it that quickly. Well, and, and if anything, if you are, you may cook up. Exactly. Yeah. Go out too quick. Yeah. And shock horror, Bevan. And this last time I did it, I did use some music. And what? Why? Uh, purely because I'm I'm looking for that maximum power number that I can produce, and I think the music in this instance will give you give me slightly more of the equaliser in terms of not having a crowd, not being a race, because yep. I essentially want this to be a race effort. And most of the time, I say. I'm not into the music when I'm training because I'm not going to have it out there on race day and I need to focus on my processes. But for me, this is a race and so the music for me is kind of that equaliser where I, I just want to get the most out of myself whatever means I can do that. And, and with music, I think you've always got to create a power playlist. Mm-hmm. Like, and to me, like I remember I did, when I did the Wanaka, when I did Wanaka Half, mm-hmm. you could use music and so I did. And, mm. and basically I created a power playlist and to me a power playlist is the next song is always like, oh my God, I love the song. Mm-hmm. There can't be a dud because mm-hmm. if there's a dud, it's, takes your focus away from what you're trying to do mm-hmm. so because really what you're trying to use music for is an emotional boost and if you have a song that doesn't quite give it to you you've got, you know you've got to make sure you a bit of thought going into that playlist just going back to nutrition caffeine's all you use yeah and, and that and I, i'll go into that in, a, in, a, in a, a slight bit more in a moment um but yeah basically caffeine um because you're going at an intensity that's uh, such that taking in fuel uh is not you know especially a gel or anything like that you're probably going to just it's not gonna. Yeah, you, a, you, a, you'll probably. So you need a good plate, big breakfast, obviously. But mm. yeah, um, so that's it. So I'm looking forward. Yeah, and the thing is, you've got to look forward to it. Like it's going to be so yeah. bloody hard. But so many people crap themselves about TTs, and um, you just got to. The more often you can put yourself in those difficult situations, the better you're going to be. Come race day. Okay, so then the last question I have because I have got lots of questions. Um, just with the plan, mm. like, what's the goal? Well, it's it's more power based than you know. The goal is simply a number. So, but but, 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 but the thing is, you've got a plan. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think the number's going to be? So, you know, I've got an A, B, and a C plan. So, you know, I, I would like to get to three hundred and ten watts. Okay, but three hundred five is probably more realistic. And if I go three hundred or under, then it's essentially a failure. Okay. Um, and so it's a bit like you know when we talk about going sub nine. I feel you've got to be in ready to, in shape to go, you know, eight forty five to eight fifty yeah. and then you might get there. If you're going I'm going eight fifty nine, fifty nine, yeah, then there. it's gonna be pretty difficult. So yeah. um, I'll be stoked if I can get three ten. So but you start the first, the first twenty minutes in three e- even effort, yeah, even effort all the way through. Uh, but you'll start on three ten pace? Uh, three oh five to three ten and okay. then keep a look at it on, on heart rate. Um, but that you know, based off the training it should be achievable, but just what, what if, if you were to try to like a three twenty? Uh, I probably just blow up, but but yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? Because I get what you're saying is that <clears throat> you know this is kind of calculated based on evidence and kind of where you think the next stretch is going to be, which mm. is why we're doing it. But then sometimes it's that kind of like I often taking talk, a risk. Yeah, like sometimes mm. I say my runners have a risk run. It's not mm-hmm. an a race, have a risk run, go crazy. Yeah. Shit knows what will happen. So I'd probably do that more on a 20 minute TT. Okay. Um, whereas this is the 
you know, the yeah. peak performance. But you've got to leave yourself enough room if you have gone a little bit too easy to bring it home hard. So yeah. essentially I'll be try to go out at 305 to, to 310 and then the middle phase, and then I'll do that for the first 20 minutes. Middle phase, if heart rate's down and perceived effort's down, then crank it up a bit and then you've still got that last 20 minutes to really bring it home hard. If you do it the other way, so you go out at 320, oh, then you might go 300 and then you might go 280 <laughs> and you end up with a shitty number. So Yeah, it can get pretty ugly. So generally I suggest a even and ideally slightly building effort. Okay, John. So if you are, if you are doing it... I won't be here next week if I cock it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to hear your numbers. Okay, John. Sponsor. Uh, extreme Endurance. Good talk about now, Fuel 5. Yeah, now this is... Um, I don't actually have any Fuel 5 Plus at the moment, um, but this is something you asked about fueling, and this is something that I would take through the ride, but I don't have any. I, I thought of it yesterday when I was doing this. I thought, ah, oh, shit, I haven't got any of that at the moment. Um, I've just got the standard Fuel 5. Fuel 5 Plus What's has caffeine in it. Oh. And so if I had um, some, I would be basically taking my um, no-dose before I start, and then I would be fueling on this because it's a really light um, drink. Um, plus you've got that more sustained caffeine intake so that would be the perfect fuel for doing something like this because you were sort of asking about fueling if I was to take a gel or something that's really sugary I'd probably struggle and you'd probably bring it back up but that's one thing I like about Fuel 5 the taste is um, I find it really light and the caffeine will just help you stay aroused all the way through the ride so it's easy energy Exactly. In, in the right environment. Because if I had to take, again, another caffeine tablet during the ride, uh, I'd probably either drop it or... Or it's always time, isn't it? Take, it'd be it's hard to take down. So Fuel 5, fantastic. Um, get on it, guys. Use the promo code IMTALK20. Uh, and especially if you've got some triathlon mates or a triathlon partner, get them something like this for Christmas. Great little uh, stocking filler. So check it out, Fuel 5 Plus. Uh, and they've also got the Fuel 5, which is the non-caffeine version. And, and remember, American listeners, you get tw- free shipping of orders of $100. So there you go. We're huge in America. Check it out. Check, check, check it out. That's Extreme Endurance, xendurance.com. John, let's go questions. Are we doing Winger of the Week? Oh, yeah. You, 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 you go to questions and answers, and I will uh, pull up the Winger of the Week. Okay. Well, last week, John, we were talking about a race in somewhere in the world. Was it in South Africa? Where was the race? Uh, no, it was Ironman Mal, Mal de Plata, which was the South American Championships, and, and there was a roll down and, in the and pros. And we thought the easiest winner to get to Kona, or the easiest slot of the year, probably went to Stefan Schumacher, mm-hmm. and uh, we got quite a bit of feedback on Stefan Schumacher. A number of emails. And a good old Mark uh, Pomlery is, uh, hey guys, you referenced Stefan Schumacher as having a fast bike slit and Kona qualification in Ironman Argentina. There you go. Uh, any chance that... Uh, oh, you're typing it's uh, any chance that you and your listeners or Thorsten that is former uh, uh if they're former pro cyclists if it is the same guy and it was the same guy wasn't we it we believe so because we've had several other emails and it kind of you put two and two together very fast cycling leg in that race and a former pro cyclist and, 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 and he was a pro cyclist up till 2017 he was, and he was very good. However, however, bom, however bom, bom, there's a dark cloud. There is. Uh, so he rode for the Goldsteiner team, and he was this, this guy was good. He won uh, a number of stages, and he was he was leading uh, uh, one of the Grand Tours at one stage. However, he has been done for drugs on. Uh, two years, he got uh, in two oh nine, and then. Um, 
yeah, he raced in the 2008 Olympics as well. Um, so there's a number of instances in here. So we kind of maybe look at that one. He has admitted that he did it, and he has admitted that it was part of the team culture. And it's just it's hard for us to understand that world of cycling, especially in that era uh, in the early to mid-2000s. So we believe it was the same guy, and that explains why there was a very fast bike time. And he's age, 30, he's age 37, so he's now going to Kona. What's that yeah. feeling when guys who have been done come over to our sport? I think uh, amongst the pros, most of them are pretty fired up about it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Interesting interesting stuff. But he's, did, did he do time? Did he get banned? Yes. Oh, yes. He did get banned, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so, uh, Wanger of the Week was... Uh, I wonder where I finished last week. I'm, I'm for, currently 43rd this week uh, for my one you hour and 54 minutes. I was 85th. I did more training that last week. No, I didn't put on Strava. And I can't have done. Did it not on Strava, John. It doesn't exist. I got 85th out of 100. I did nine hours 53. I don't think that's counted my Sunday ride, which was a couple of hours. And doesn't I don't log my core either. Could log that just to boost I up the I logged my Les Mills classes. I'll be right up there. Well, you should. Yeah. Uh, so last week, um, Hassan... Itani had the longest activity at 6 hours and 35 minutes. And Sonia Pippen did the longest total distance at 554 kilometers. Nice work, you guys. Nice. Good stuff. Okay, go back to questions and answers. Are we going to talk about Tim Hemings? Let's save that for next week. Okay, Tim Hemings got an interesting discussion about the executive challenge, which we'll go into. And it's, there's a bit of a funny report. Did you read the, the news report that he linked to? Have a read of that because that will get you fired up. Okay. Yeah, that will get you fired up big time. <laughs> we'll save that to next week. John will have a rant next week. Um, we got oh, just a couple of emails we've got here. Uh, by the way, support of John's view on this. Just this from Ian, I'm going to say Blacklock. Um, he's got, by the way, in support of John's point of view of previous winners not getting a free ticket, is there any mainstream sport where the previous champion does not, doesn't have to qualify to be in the final of the championship the following year? And I did say that's a pretty good point. It is. Is it any sport? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. There may well be, but that's a question for listeners. Mm. Put it out there. My cynical thoughts on the previous five years being given a ticket is that it helps encourage the fee-paying age groupers to keep coming. Is it really just another Ironman race just dressed up as a championship? He's obviously a bit cynical about this one. Mm. Uh, he just said he loved our Kona reports as well. And then we've got Brian. Oh, we bronze earlier. Okay, John. So uh, if you want to be a patron, let's do a patron, John. We have got one here. My name is Mark Dixon. I'm originally from the northeast of England, but now I live in East Anglia, and I'm a member of Tri Anglia Triathlon Club. I've been competing in tri since 2006, and to date I've completed five Ironman distance ra- uh, races, loads of halves, and more sprint and stand standard distance races than I can count. I try not to take the tri scene too seriously, enjoy a few beers, some would say too many. I seem to have uh, been banned from holding the microphone at club presentations oh, thanks no. to my impromptu karaoke skills. <laughs> See, the, 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 the MC made the whole big mistake. Yeah. They, they gave Mark the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly he's doing, he's like Tyson Fury, yeah. starts doing the singing. Yeah. John, I've got a nickname, but have you already got one? I haven't, I'm just thinking we've got a very famous... Um, Rod Dixon? Well, we've got, it's another Dixon. So we've got Rod Dixon. He won a marathon, didn't he? Won he? New York, didn't he? New York, yeah. yeah. And we've also got Scott Dixon, who wins all the IndyCar races well, in that, America. Well, that works out well. Yes. And then, is it, wasn't it an Anglia car? Yes. There was. Yes. So I'm thinking Hot Rod. Hot Rod. Mark Hot Rod Dixon. There you go. Because we've got Rod Dixon, Hot Rod Dixon. Yeah. And then we've got your Scott Dixon, who's an IndyCar racer. And then the Anglia car, it all comes aligned. 
And in Hot Rock, because he smokes everybody when he's out there racing. Just or that. when he's just going to scale and make the beers. There you go. There we go. So Hot Rod Dixon, there we go. Mark, Hot Rod Dixon. You get that put on your t-shirt, mate. Yep, you can. You can say that. You can get your karaoke when you're wearing it. That's right. You, yep. Is there a Hot Rod oh, song? If you're at the pub and you go, I've got Hot Rod on there, I wonder what some people might think. Well, you could get the Roddy Roddy Piper. <laughs> Right. From the wrestling. There you go. There we go. Just that. Just that. Uh, team sponsors. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me and you'll see there's a link to patronage. Uh, it's just supporting the show. Really Consider it a Christmas present to us by becoming a patron of the show. And the, and the analogy which someone once emailed to us, which I love, is... You know, someone said, look, I spend more more on coffee than what I do on this show and the value this show brings to my life has been way more than the coffee, the money I spend on coffee. So even if it's just like a coffee a week to support the boys, it really, really does massive, make a massive difference for us. So um, you also get a gift based on your level of patronage. If you want to get coaching, you can go to coachjohnnewson.com. If you want to listen to my podcast, I've got a couple of good interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks, um, bevanjamesisles.com. Content such as age groupers, websites, and other feedback, email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John's checking his phone again. What's up? Yeah, just making sure it's nothing life-threatening. Uh, good. It's John, not. Your goss. Uh, my goss, Bevan. It's not raining. I'm in two minds now. What to do? I might have to oh, go out on the road. I'm supposed to be cycling. Road, it's not cold. Do. Yes. I've got a new jersey, and it's so warm. It's like fluffy on the inside. Oh, I'm sorry. I am listening to your nice fluffy jersey. Yeah. Christmas tree's up. Oh, you said you're not listening to me. Well, I was looking at your way. I was looking at you. I was We've engaging. got a bit half-hearted on the Christmas presents. On the, 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 doesn't feel not, Christmas Not, not a lot of tinsel in there. Joe doesn't like tinsel. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> we had tinsel, and I was like, okay, babe, we're putting it tinsel. She goes, I don't like, I don't like tinsel. I was like, babe, you got put tinsel up. Because <laughs> I, before I lived with Joe, when we lived in St. Martin's, I used to do tragic Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I bought all the shittiest stuff from the warehouse and just went OTT. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. But did you go in on the 26th of December and buy all your stuff for next year at, at, at 66% no, off? No, because I don't want to be in a mall on the 26th of December. Right. You're right. It's right. Strategically, it's a genius move. Mm. Except you've got to go to the mall. Mm. Do you want to go to the mall on the 26th of December? No, I'll be going to the online mall on the 26th of December probably. Which online mall do you go to? I'll just go wherever there's a good sale. Oh. I've got a few items. Now, I went need? to the mall at the weekend, Bevan. Everyone's going, you don't want to go to the mall. You don't want to go to the mall. I, n- I hardly ever, ever go to the mall. If I'm going there, it's on a mission. <laughs> and I've got to go get something and then I'm out of there. What did you have to go get? Uh, well, Felicity and I went shopping for a present for Belinda and we had to get something else. There's nobody at the mall. It's like quieter, quieter than it's normally is when I go to the mall, which is very infrequent. It's looking for economy, John. So it was, um, yeah. Whatever cost you got. One so wait, you got all the presents for the family now? Got all the pre- yeah, well, tell, us your, tell us your dilemma, and I'll so, give you my opinion. So, here we go. Belinda, if you're listening, yeah. she's not listening. <laughs> she listens all the time. So the children are getting a animal species for... Uh, a tiger. A tiger for, for Christmas, and we have to pick them up on the 23rd, which is a Sunday. Sunday everywhere, I guess. Yeah, but obviously do. Christmas is not till the 25th. I'm looking forward so to Christmas. what do we do for that day and a half with the animals Belinda says, just give them to the kids and they can play with them for a day and a half. They haven't got school and, and they'll get all the other presents. I said, no, you get them on Christmas Day. And luckily, I broached the topic with our daughter last night. Oh. And, um, and she was like. And she said, no, we want everything on Christmas Day. Yes. There we go. I'm back in Newsom on this one. Absolutely. The, the John, not the Belinda. Yeah. Because you can't have Christmas Day before Christmas Day. No, well, but the, the reason this came up is we are going to family who are not going to be here on Christmas Day and they give each other presents and they might open them on the day and Felicity says, no, I don't want to do that. I'm saving it all for Christmas Day. Yeah. 
So and the family might give the kids the presents. Yeah. 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 So there we go. Yeah. There you go. Um, any, other goss? any other goss? No. Up to a final part of Marcella. Have you watched that on Netflix? Yeah, I did watch a few series there. I think we've got one, that. one to go on that. Have you watched The Bodyguard? Yep, done and dusted on that. This time of the year, I've got a little bit more time on my hands, which is quite good. What would I recommend? Oh, Parks and Recs. If you haven't watched Parks and Recreation, although I don't think it's on Netflix. Great show. Um, okay, John. Bevan, what's happening with you? Well, John, have you, have you done an escape room? No. You have talked about it before, and I've walked past it several times, one the other day. I have to say, time. it's good fun. Mm-hmm. Really good fun. Highly recommend it. If you're claustrophobic, because it's still good fun? Well, funny you say that, John. Because <laughs> my, for our coaching team, we for every year we do like a Christmas thing for our coaches team. Last year we did bowling. We've done laser show. It's, it's mm-hmm. good fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Joe thought, why don't we do the escape room? Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, it was a great idea. So we got to the escape room. I don't want to reveal anything because mm-hmm. people don't want to do the escape room in Christchurch. I can't remember what it was called. Um, so we go to the escape room and the coaching team goes in the room and we work through it and we we, we, we escape. Yes. So basically what you – and I know most people know what an escape room is, but you basically get an hour. Mm-hmm. So you've got to try to do it in an hour. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, and if you don't do it in an hour, you still can stay in the room, but you're a bit of a schmuck. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure lots of people listening right now have been a schmuck and get there. And you give a, they give you a walkie-talkie. And the, hey, listen, <laughs> I'm going to pull you up on this. Just clear a few emails. Listen, <laughs> you shithead. I'm going to pull him up every time because look, he, looks, he, he beeps the, his computer. The, <laughs> the fingers pointing and everything. His eyes are looking down. So here we go. Look at me. Eyes on me. Eyes on yeah. me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, what I might start doing, team, is pulling his computer away. <laughs> He's like a bloody teenage girl. So sexist. We we finish it, and we went, we had to be keeping an eye on the time. And the girl walks in, and she goes, "Oh my god, you're only the second team ever in the history of this place to do it in under thirty minutes." She's being nice. No, John, she's we being nice. Yeah. We were legends. We were like we were shocked and dismayed. We did it in twenty eight minutes, and I think. No, it's not good value for money, Bevan. Well, we, we can't help it when you're a legend, <laughs> and and also we got no clues. And so I think the other team we don't they may have got clues, which is hard to believe because it's so fast. But it's a really cool thing to do. And what was really good about it? Stop looking at your computer. My 160 I, um, chocolate Santas from the warehouse are ready to pick up. Why do you buy 160 chocolate? Because Santas? everybody at the Christmas Cracker Triathlon this weekend is getting a chocolate Santa. Oh, okay, good. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, focus on me. Yeah. Um, 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 what was I saying? So I, I, oh, the key here's the key to I reckon a good team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Struggling to keep eye contact. <laughs> He's hopeless. He's hopeless. So the, here's the key factor to a good team. Okay, is you need some brainiacs and some scatterbrains. Okay, because in our team we had a couple of people who were like good problem solvers mm-hmm. and then we had some scatterbrains and, and actually it kind of works quite well because the problem solvers you give them a problem they're going to work through it and then the scatterbrains just walk around and go what's this yeah. <laughs> can you guess which person I was <laughs> obviously I was a brainiac yeah. Joe was the scatterbrain but you know and so like, the person who's just walking around often they're just kind of getting shit but it, you kind of figure it out and mm-hmm. it's quite an interesting thing to do because what happens is someone will say something and they'll trigger something in you then you'll say something it's just kind of this universal consciousness. So, but basically, we are New Zealand's best quiz team. Nice. Yep, so you should feel very honoured to be in the room okay. today. I actually put a photo. Did you get a certificate? Well, we got a photo. Yeah. And I put it on this week's website. And, okay. Because I knew I was going to tell the story, and yeah. I knew you'd be very attentive. So yeah. I was pretty yeah. excited about it. I still think she's being nice to you. Do you know what you're getting for Christmas? No, she wasn't being nice. She was. There <laughs> comes the defensive. Like, she was saying because they watch you, yeah. and she was saying we were watching, and we were like, oh my god, this this is unbelievable. These guys are killing it. 
Very good. Well done. Congratulations. Shocked and dismayed. Uh, do I know what I'm getting for Christmas? I'm getting bugger all, I think. And that's but we and I just said it's just she she gets what she you, wants. You can't get to that point in life, John. Uh, I, I want a uh, I want a here we go. Here's, what do you want? A fancy tow bar to carry all the bikes. Uh, oh, so yeah. you can carry. You know, you How can, many can you? Because you've got lots so you can of carry like three or so at a time, and it sits on your tow bar, not like, and you just put your whole bike on this. So that's what I want for my Christmas. We've got one of those ones where you pull it apart. That works really well. Yeah, no, I want something I can just lift, plonk on there, away I go. That's my plan. And, really? I'm, and I'm buying some packs. I bought myself a pack off Trade Me the other day, and that was my early Christmas. Like, like a tramping pack. Yep. And I got one more to go. Well, I've actually got three to go. I don't, you know what's happened in my life, John? I've slightly given up on Christmas. Mm-hmm. No, I love Christmas. Mm-hmm. But Joe and I, we bought a new umbrella, which you can't see. But it's an outside umbrella, not a, not a just rain umbrella. And it, we bought it. We got a pretty big deck. Yeah. And um, you painted Aussies, your deck lately? Oh, mate, I gave it a good rub. Yeah. And, and so, um, so we got the umbrella. But the problem with our house is we get sun all day, mm-hmm. so we kind of need a movable umbrella. And so the umbrella, we, we've got a decent umbrella, but it needs a hundred kg of weight at the bottom of it. You just sit there all day, you'll be fine. No, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm, I'm far off 100 kg. But um, so we're looking at getting a wheel one. Guess how much, John? $599. $700. Crazy. So now I'm starting to think, well, that's what I want for Christmas. Okay, there you go. Welcome to my world. Welcome to your world. <laughs> now you can go check your emails. He, he, honestly, that whole time, he was fighting on the inside. Didn't look at it. Even right now. Joel Tuck, he's, 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 he's coming from America and he's going to be in Christchurch and he wants to come and do my Corsair Classic. Bad news for Joel is the bloody roads are closed at the moment and I won't be able to have it. When is it? This weekend? No, it's in January. But we're what we're about, blabbering isn't now. Isn't the Christmas cricket this weekend? That is. It's a different course. Where's the, oh, yeah, it's Sumner. Mm. Okay, guys, if you're in Christchurch, you're going to get a free centre. <laughs> Damn it. Spoiler. Well, you've been reading your emails. <laughs> Here we go. Let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Minot. Trainer. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.